You're listening to Remote Possibilities, a podcast on the intersection of technology, society, and education. Brought to you by MarketScale. Now here's your host, Kevin Hogan. Okay, hello, and welcome to episode two of Remote Possibilities, the podcast that explores the promise and the perils of distance learning. I'm your host, Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. With me today is EdTech veteran and writer, Dean Hyman, currently Senior Vice President of Strategy at Renaissance Learning. Dean has served in a variety of roles over the years, but I believe our first interaction was when you were Chief Operating Officer and General Manager at BrainPop. Is that right, Dean? Yeah, I remember. Those were in the days in which we all still traveled and there were industry events and, and you were a regular there. That's right, with our good friends, uh, Tim and Moby. <laughs> Correct. And, and now you're with Renaissance Learning. Can you give the audience an idea of what Renaissance does? So Renaissance is actually one of the uh, earliest movers, I think, in the ad tech space. Started with a product that's still around called Accelerated uh, Reader in the 80s, believe it or not. And we've since expanded. You know, Accelerated Reader is still an amazing you know, a product that's being used widely, but has grown through both innovation and acquisition. Um, to include multiple practice products in the math and literacy space, reading space, as well as the star assessments that, again, are pretty widely used in schools in the U.S. and international for interim assessment. Great, great. Well, I wanted to start our conversation out by talking a bit about um, the manifesto. I'd say that you posted last month uh, a farewell to ed tech. Um and if you don't mind, I'd just like to read a little bit of a snippet to give uh, people an idea of um, what we're talking about here. Uh, it's the part where you talk about the age of responsibility. And I'll quote you, as an industry, it is now we who are being put to a test. We are providing the backbone of the educational co continuity, the arsenal fortifying the critical efforts to our own first responders, the administrators and educators around the globe. We will collectively be held accountable for how we bear the mantle of that responsibility. Let's do all that we can to ensure that history will judge us favorably in the important support role we've been thrust into. Um, that's some pretty uh, heavy stuff, Dean. <laughs> that's some pretty heavy stuff. Uh, talk a little bit about where when you started to, to have these thoughts and put them down. Well, I think everyone in in ed tech, maybe in education in general, is has this feeling that suddenly uh, the technology part of of the education industry, the tech enabled part, is uh, being thrust into the spotlight. Uh, you know, for years we've been saying, "Hey, there's a role for this. Hey, this is a a way to engage uh, kids to speak the language uh, that they're more familiar with." Uh, to bring to bear a lot of the benefits of, of technology for, for, you know, for significant pieces of the education process. And suddenly, or literally overnight, we're not just playing a supplemental role. We're not just playing a role for, you know, some of the schools and some of the districts who are more engaged in blended learning, less engaged in, in blended learning. Suddenly, we are the backbone upon which education is being delivered. And... I thought there's a lot to make note of that historic moment, uh, but more than any kind of celebration, both because of the times, it's not a time to be celebrating, but also because we weren't really necessarily built or preparing for a moment in which 100% of education would be 
remote and delivered technologically. So that feeling that we're critical, and yet this isn't exactly the moment we've been rehearsing for, uh, led to that that feeling that this is actually a burden. This is actually something that, boy, we better get this right because so much is is hanging on it right now. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about the response. Was that something that you were surprised about? <sighs> Surprise is an understatement. I think the original LinkedIn post is probably approaching you know, 20,000 or so impressions uh, and, and, and views. But uh, what was what is still shocking is the response in terms of people actually contributing, which is, which is what I was hoping for. I was hoping that this becomes, you call it a manifesto. That's interesting. I haven't thought about it that way. I thought of it as an open letter to industry to kind of call people and say, hey, how are you thinking about this? And what do you think are the important takeaways for us in this kind of historic moment? And people responded to that, but they didn't respond on Medium. They responded in LinkedIn and in the comment string to that original post. And they honestly, to to be completely frank about this, they added points to my list of points that are much more powerful than the ones that I could think of. So I'm, I'm happy that that engagement happened. Well, yeah, you do go on to give kind of a laundry list of, of, of various uh, things that companies uh, need to do or should be doing in order to not only survive, but but thrive. Can you talk a little bit about that list and if, if you have any maybe out of that list, the top two priorities? Sure. So uh, as you described before, I position this, I made it important to point out that I see this as a burden of responsibility, not like a moment to celebrate. Um, and under that, you know, I, I went on to list some of the areas in which we're carrying that responsibility. Um, and the, in my original post, I talked about the importance that we uh, survive to be able, you know, as companies, that, that companies actually manage to stay in business so that they can continue to provide that backbone. I talk about the importance of planning um, to, to support that process, also to be able to to factor in the growth that a lot of people are experiencing in terms of usage and related growth and expenses. Um, I talk about how the role of parents has become so central now because they're the mitigators, they're the go-betweens, um, they're the gateways through which schools and kids are connecting at home. Um, but the part that people responded to the most, and I think the part that's dearest to all of our hearts, is really um, the the equity, the inequities yeah. that were already part of the system. and. We're getting are getting exacerbated uh, to some degree through this crisis. Uh, remembering that this is a, a letter to industry, my point was, you might not have thought that you're in the equity business. Yeah, you might not have thought that that's very relevant to the specific tool, uh, technology, uh, uh, curriculum that you provide. However, by nature of it being delivered remote right now you might be inadvertently increasing uh, equity gaps that you thought weren't relevant to your offering or that you even set out to to close. And uh, that one is the one that res received the most response and yeah. retweets and, and quotes. And, uh, and I'm, I'm happy it did because in many ways, it is the most consequential of all the points. And it certainly seems to be the point where we can really have a 
positive effect or a negative effect, right? There's no, there's no in between here. There, there's either a solution or a failure. That's right. We're all in the equity business and we've been thrust into it, but we still have the responsibility uh, to address it head on. Uh, and, and along, I think the, the parent and the equity uh, issue are, are kind of intertwined a little bit. Can you talk about how the ed tech industry now may need to begin to, um, if not sell to, at least uh, have a brand recognition amongst parents? Well, the way I phrased it, or the way I was thinking of it was, sometimes in business we separate like who is our customer or our main audience as opposed to the stakeholders. And, and parents have traditionally been there, especially for those of us who deal with um, the part of EdTech that engages kids outside of the school or uh, directly are involved with the instruction process. And parents are traditionally viewed as the stakeholders by most, and rightfully so in the sense that they're not actually taking the purchasing decision. They're not even directly the users of the product. And often the product is not being used within the home. But that changed. Yeah. And now, like I said before, they are the gatekeepers, they're the facilitators, they are our closest allies in making this all work. They are scrutinizing what we're doing, what we're putting forth, and, uh, and we have to treat them at the, at the same level as we would treat uh, you know, customers and, and primary users. That's kind of a healthy design principle with which to approach your, you know, your strategy, your, your product roadmap right now, your your plan for making the adaptations that you need to both for this school year and for what's shaping up to be a very unique next school year. Right. Uh, since your original post, have you seen any signs of industry rising to the challenge? Left and right. Left and right. I mean, there's so much to be proud of in terms of how the industry is standing up to this challenge. You know, I know there will be cynics and naysayers because it is an industry, you know, because it is a... Uh, a lot of it is a for-profit industry, but I just can't imagine where we would be without uh, the folks who have spent time thinking about about making uh, keeping the engagement level uh, high through uh, you know ad tech, or make, making sure to continue to fortify and support teachers' positions instead of replacing it or making it sound like it's somehow commoditized. Uh, that I think in, in, in among the good offerings, that has always been a design principle. I think that what companies have been doing since uh, has really exemplified that even more. I can't remember if I talked about this in this piece, but one of the things that I'm tracking with a lot of interest is all of the uh, attempts to curate the list of all of the special offerings, whether it's you take your paid product and you make it free or you put more things from your premium subscription level into your free one right. or you come up with specialized tools to help uh, educators and administrators um, in, in this kind of unique time. There are just so many offerings and, and innovations out there happening. Uh, and I check the feeds daily to see new ones that a um, an area has emerged of curating those lists yeah right yeah and and some of the i point at the end of the medium article to one curation play that just stopped me in my tracks um specifically around mental health kids in distress 
resources for um, uh, various social emotional resources that are out there, um, hotlines. And this company, a startup that was even pre-product launch, went and collected at a state-by-state -state as well as national level, collected these resources and put them up on their website. That's amazing. That's amazing. Can you talk a little bit about how you see the um, relationship changing between industry and the way that uh, school districts uh, themselves implement technology? Sure. I think that one of the striking things here is that we're on the same page on this in terms of um, the the relationships, the short the short circuiting of the of the somewhat indirect paths through which vendors interact with school districts and interact with academics, and really now everyone seems to be shoulder to shoulder trying to figure out what's needed, what can we do to plug the gap, how can we um, shortcut, kind of like the uh, you know the FDA and the medical side of things is also trying to accelerate the pace of change and of approval. Uh, in order to be able to, you know, to address this sooner rather than, than later. Uh, we are definitely feeling that uh, at Renaissance. Uh, we're, whether it's at the state level or at the district level, um, we're, we're, we're getting that outreach. Uh, we're reaching out ourselves to try figuring out solutions that launch soon and are immediately very relevant to, to the needs. Right. We really need this rapid, rapid cycle um, innovation kind of reinforced now. Uh, one other uh, major uh, disruption is in, is happening right now in in higher ed. And traditionally, K twelve and higher ed have always seemed to me to have a, a kind of a distinct, um, you know, a, a distinct area. Do you see any of that changing? It's funny. I'm wired as somewhat of a K twelve guy, so much so that. It took a couple of those comments on the LinkedIn feed to remind me that this is impacting, you know, lifelong education as much, corporate and adult education, as well as higher ed. I speak with a little bit more experience in the K-12 space, but the impact that, you know, this crisis is having on higher ed, whether it's immediate, you know, the dispersal of the of the students and all of the, the claims for the reimbursement. But then more importantly, from a planning perspective, what this means for next um, academic year and beyond. Yeah, I think there are a lot of parallels. Yeah, I think there are parallels in principle in terms of how we need to operate in, in these public, private and uh, vendor uh, customer uh, and user uh, kind of alliances. And I think that some of the, you know, there's some overlap between some of the solutions. I mean, that process of, of being on Zoom or having your delivery of, of education be fully remote uh, and not having, not having necessarily the ability for the social aspects of learning, the ability for the personal connection between your professor or your, or your teacher um, and you as a learner, that's hindering all of us now. We need solutions for that whether it's at the uh, obviously you know more acute in the uh, early learning space than it is uh, the older you go but it but that's a basic need for good learning and that's a basic human need uh, that we all have to be 
looking at ways to tackle now. Right, right. Now, what are some specific next steps that someone who is listening and, and wants to be a part uh, of this new responsibility uh, of the industry? Uh, are we talking about a new association? Are we talking about a new um, event, networking event? I mean, do you, do you have any uh, specific thoughts about where do we go from here? I do. I think, and it's one of the things that I learned in the process of publishing, I think the call here, the action item, is, is one of sharing and collaborating and putting out there, putting out your ideas, putting out your needs, putting out your um, uh, learnings, and worry less about competition, worry less about potentially being wrong with something that you're on record for saying, worry more about, about getting these out quickly, because there's just so much talent in our space. I mean, when I think of the people who dedicate themselves to running districts and schools and, and, and to teaching in the first place, as well as the people in the industry and in the, um, in the media surrounding the, uh, the industry, we all share a basic passion without which we wouldn't be in this space. And uh, the power of being able to put out an article, put out your thoughts, do a post, respond to a post, and with everyone you know, right now consuming so much and, and trying to learn so fast, that power is striking. I don't know that we need necessarily an association or an event. I don't know, I'm not saying we don't. I don't know that we need a movement. But I think that that process of putting ourselves out there, being receptive to ideas, being receptive to outreach uh, from folks who are reaching out to you and, and feeling less hesitant about reaching out with, with half-baked ideas, I think there's something very healthy and very needed around that you know, in general and specifically in education right now. Similar to the way you reached out to me for this. And, and similar to the way you improvised in order to get us to be able to do this in a remote environment through you know, mobile devices with technology that wasn't necessarily uh, built for this. And, and we, we, we learn fast. We iterate. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I mean, uh, during these wild, grim times, uh, reading your piece and, and having this conversation, um, you seem to have a general positive feeling about things. Um, and I think when, when you look at the, the goalposts that you, that you create, there is a certain positivity. Am, am I accurate in that? I mean, do you feel the glass can be half full here? I think you're accurate in that in, in, in two senses. First of all, again, I think like a lot of people in our, in our industry writ large, I believe in science. I believe in progress. You know, I believe in, in, in innovation and in technology. We will be, will we, we will beat this. Um, so I'm optimistic at that level. Um, I'm also, I'm also optimistic as it has to do with how this change, we're not going to continue the way we are now forever. You know, even, even the most skeptics around us, I, I would, you know, I would counter that. But out of this experience of having to be thrown into the cold water kind of suddenly and having to do this rapid cycle innovation, what comes out of this on the other side is going to be something much, much better than when we entered. It's not like 
everything we develop now we're going to have to put aside and just have it as a contingency in case heaven forbid uh, another pandemic or natural disaster hits that re necessitates remote learning this knowledge that we're accumulating this experience that we're accumulating even the 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 knowledge about the gaps maybe especially the knowledge about the gaps the gaps in the effectiveness of the of the tools the gaps in the training for the teachers the gaps in understanding the role of the parents uh, the gaps in the, the huge gaps as it pertains to just access uh, the, the gaps in not understanding the, the homes and the supportive or less supportive environments that some kids um, are, are, are learning in right now, that the, the focus on those gaps is going to be the first step in resolving or at least improving um, our ability to address them. I'm convinced of that. That's great stuff. Dean, I really appreciate your time. Uh, you're making me feel a lot better about things. <laughs> and I hope that we can uh, meet up again like this. And well, hopefully we'll meet up again face to face and have a, a further conversation about uh, the successes of all of your efforts and the efforts of the industry. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks for the role that you're playing in this. Great, thanks. And that will wrap up episode two of Remote Possibilities. Thank you for listening.